0: When I hit the button, it's not the little thing that looks like a recording tape thing, which I'm not sure that anybody actually knows what those are anymore.
1: (laughs) What's a tape?
0: It's a big blue button. The big blue button. It says record next to it, which I guess that does make sense. I mean, I think the button would be red because most of the time, if you're going with a tape machine motif, you would make the button red because on the tape player, the recording button was also red. Sometimes the record button even sat inside the play button and you had to hit both at the same time time to record. But not here on our friends at Zencaster. No, it is a blue button, sir. Ah, we got to be different. It's got to be Zen over at Zencaster. But at Zencaster, thank you for letting us record this podcast. We've got Iron Man number one twenty eight. Nothing for
1: this. <laughs>
0: no, we don't. I, we but we do thank them for letting us we, use their service. It's yes, very nice. Do. Yes, we do. Yeah, I don't, just needed.
1: To, I needed to put that out there that we are, don't
0: look at don't look a gift horse in the mouth, sir. Yes, so yes. So yes.
1: thank you so we, much. We appreciate. It. Oh.
0: We have Iron Man here, and we left off, and Iron Man wasn't looking like he was in very good shape. Uh-oh. We had uh, Bethany was was very upset about some guy named Alex, and uh, Hammer's Army was gone And and Tony was back home drinking Yeah, And here we go We have another amazing Bob Layton cover, we've got sweaty Iron Man With bloodshot eyes He's dripping sweat He's strangely in the suit still But he's got a jacket on He looks like he just stayed a night on the streets uh,
1: it, Yeah, with the suit on yeah. With the suit over the suit Yeah,
0: which is So it's it looks scary. like Iron Man just came off Skid Row
1: Yeah, he's looking very Tony Dark. Like, he's just, he's in the dark spot.
0: (laughs) And we've got, like, it looks like Winston Supreme Canadian Whiskey. I don't think that's a real thing, but okay, cool. Is that, like, Winston Churchill? Is that an allusion to the big drunk Uh, prime minister?
1: It could be, but, you know, you got your your, uh, your Canadian whiskeys. I'm trying to think of what that's the... uh, uh,
0: too slow. So, I know. we've got
1: approved proof of Comics Code
0: Authority up in the corner. Yes. And we've got on page one, when millionaire industrialist Tony Stark, inventor extraordinaire, garbs himself in a solar-charged steel mesh armor, he becomes the world's greatest human fighting machine. The Invincible Iron Man, trademark R, but not so much this issue. We've got David Lic- Michelini, writer and plot. John Romita, Jr., pencil art. Bob Layton, finished art and plot. John Costanza, letters. Bob Sharon on colors. Roger Stern, editor. And, of course, Jim a Sharpshooter, editor-in-chief, who... I read an article again of him once again complaining that the suits at Marvel shot down all of his creations in the '80s and it was terrible, and that's oh why no. he created New Universe and that amazing character Star Brand and that yeah oh yeah yeah that's cool yeah that I- every you read all the Star Brand books right I mean no you read all those New Universe books right. <sighs> Okay, so we're going (laughs) to hit up. uh, We've got the story. We've got, finally, (gasps) Issue 128, Demon in a Bottle.
1: Whoa, we've been building up to this all this time. And let's,
0: uh, we've got the, again, maybe over. So part of my criticism of the story, it's been a solid story so far, but has been maybe a little overuse of the the narrator. And so we've got Iron Man, or we've got Tony, sitting in a chair. He's holding... The Iron Man helmet, he's in the suit. He's got the Iron Man murderer. We've got beautiful art by Romita and Leighton. And we've got alcohol everywhere. But then we get the long narration. By definition, (laughs) a hero is a man who battles against overwhelming odds for a cause, an ideal, or for the lives of innocents. The cause and ideal may vary with the morning headlines, while the innocents in today's world of muddy morality may ultimately prove to be the guilty which leaves but one constant in the definition that a hero is above all a man, a man subject to the pressures and responsibilities far beyond those of his peers, such as the burden must take its toll eventually from even the most valiant warrior. And it is then that the test of a true hero begins. Jeez.
1: (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot where
0: (laughs) they need to put that in there to get the
1: stamp. I don't know. I I, I, I don't know. I think honestly, like, I mean, maybe, maybe a third of those, a third of that, that text could have been used and or just Iron Man old buddy. I thought I knew, but I don't. Yeah, and again, you've
0: mentioned this before,
1: too. I mean, we're
0: buying these off the newsstand at this point. Not, yeah. you know, and not everybody's read the previous stories in order yeah. like we're yeah. doing right now. So maybe on the first page, and this this probably had some word of mouth, right? You've got Drunk right. Iron Man on the cover. So people are probably wow. going to find this issue. You need to sort of set up what's happening. Yeah. I get it. But the again, I think the words, uh, the art tells us what is happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, so yeah. I don't know that we need so much of the text there because it, I can see it visually.
1: I mean, and if I was, a, I mean, like obviously this is a, this is a comic written for an older audience. But if I was a kid that happened upon this because my parents are like, "Oh, it's Iron Man. You like Iron Man?" You know, and they don't even think like twice because what's Tony? What's Tony up to? He's just being an Iron Man. Um, and they gave me this comic book. I would have checked out at like a third, uh, like not even halfway through the first box because it's just too much.
0: Well, and it's not something. I mean, obviously these are targeted sixteen and up. I think Marvel's pretty famous for that. Maybe fourteen and up, but at least you know sixteen and up. At this point, the Marvel fandom had been growing with Marvel too. I mean, we're in nineteen seventy nine. We're we're way past nineteen sixty three, right? So you know, right, the, right. the audience had grown up with the books. They'd gotten better writers. They'd gotten better art. No offense to the beginning art, but mm-hmm. you know it's different. It's changed. It's, yeah, I mean, I love Jack Kirby, yeah. but this is not Jack Kirby art. Mm-hmm. This is much cleaner. It's less blocky,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Jack Kirby art fits. I love how Jack Kirby Kirby art fits space adventures, right? And right. and the our Army at War stuff, where you want things to be blocky and and dirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this isn't. This is different. Uh, of course, you know, I don't appreciate the, the massive line work that, that Romita Jr. does, but I actually think it really works for, for this issue.
1: Yeah, that rug um, looks amazing.
0: Yeah, though I think the curtains look ridiculous. So while well, the rug, rug looks amazing, the curtains are like insane, right? Yeah. they're supposed to be solid blue curtains in there. They look well, like they have, they have, have stripes. It,
1: they have to put the thatch work into it, with that, you know, the hatching, and then, you know, they have to... It's- it's probably really hard to give that that type of, color. We'll do texture to give yeah the bellow to each one well, of those.
0: Well, and also the suit has a lot of texture in it, which it don't. Mm-hmm. It like even when they try to color over that texture, it's impossible, right? Like so, it's interesting. But I don't want to get overly cr- critical of the Romita art here because I do think. Uh, John Romita Jr. drawing this issue in particular, yeah. you want it to be sort of hazy, yeah. right? You yeah, want yeah. to have sort of a oh, hazy yeah. downfield. Iron Man uh, has been
1: doing some stuff, doing some stuff.
0: And so we get a, a, a little recap, but I think better than the recap, the 17-page recap we got a couple issues ago. Uh, the uh, He's talking to himself. He's talking to the Iron Man helmet. He yeah. says, hey, I thought you were a friend, but now you're a scapegoat. And this is one where the second page, they literally do the opposite of what they do on the first page. They use the art to recap what has happened. So we've got Tony talking to himself, but we've got the Iron Man murderer newspaper and it gets a folk. It gets focused in on, then we get a picture of a scrapbook with Jarvis in it, or I guess a photo book, something that probably no one has anymore. I remember these, (laughs) he slid the photos in and they fit in those little, those little triangles Mm -hmm. and they stayed in the book. He had to kind of bend the photo to sneak it into the get last in little <laughs> holder piece, and so a nice, a nice little recap of what's been going on in Tony Stark's life and, and why like, he's so frustrated. So is
1: that Facebook zero point one. I
0: what, oh <laughs> I think that is Facebook zero <laughs> point one. Uh, but then we get to the third page and all the reasons Dan hates Iron Man. So we get Akrud, ah, I don't know why I'm being so morose, and he drinks and and gives us a wink and he looks crazy eyed cuz he just took <laughs> a shot and he puts on the suit and instead of opening his window he flies through it yeah so now they never did re- go back to this in the story but it's I, I have no idea how this actually got repaired it would seem sort of <laughs> weird i think i think somebody would notice if tony stark a millionaire industrialist office in this case, probably billionaire industrialist. if compared to him now, right? Yeah, yeah. This is like, there's a, this would be like there's a big hole in Elon Musk's window at Twitter and nobody noticed.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: so, okay. Uh, I do want to revisit though, our the interview that was done in back issue number 25 by Tomorrow's Publishing. I want to go back to that. And one of the questions that Michelinie and Layton were asked in the interview, uh, they, they said, uh, it was, you know, I could be wrong, but that really was the first time you had a major superhero being shown with an addiction. Uh-huh. Michelinie is quick to point out Denny and O'Neill and Neil Adams uh, did do the Green Arrow, Green, Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff yeah. with Speedy. And Layton points out, yeah, but not to diminish that story because it's a great story. But the difference was our story was the first time a title character got involved with substance abuse. Mm-hmm. So. I think Marvel, once again, is, you know, bringing it to the forefront. And, and as we pointed out when we reviewed the the uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow 86, it was, it was like Speedy just shows up out of nowhere, right? We pointed that out. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, Speedy's here. He hasn't been here for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I thought they weaved it in well by making that a plot point, right? Well, it's because yeah. he was out, you know. Well, the Green Lantern and Green Arrow had done their tour of the country before that issues. And then, you know, Speedy was sort of left on his own. So Roy was just there and he ended up getting addicted to heroin. So I do want to go back to this interview. I have a yeah, I have a couple more snippets from it, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but I do want to revisit back to this. So we go to the next page and Iron Man is, is flying out crazy, crazy, crazy man. Yeah. And he sees a train derailment. And we've got, but he's not listening to with his super suit to anything that's going on on the ground. Yeah. And everybody in the ground's like, all right, it's a, a car. It's a train car full of chlorine, but we're going to ease it back on the tracks and everything's going to be okay. And then Tony flies in and grabs the train and pulls it up. And then the, the, I don't know what those things are called. The attachment bar, whatever, where trains connect the the coupler. Yeah. Yeah. He grabs the coupler uh, the bar around the coupler and it breaks as he pulls the train up and the train falls down to the ground leaking chlorine gas everywhere wow, and man. yeah and and they treat this as oh they just put some gas masks on but if you will recall something huh. pretty major happened in the u.s uh, a few months ago yeah yeah back in february in ohio mm-hmm. uh, chlorine tankers Uh, fell off the train tracks and leaked (laughs) toxic chemicals everywhere. And Was it Iron Man? Maybe Iron Man did it. 11 tank cars carrying hazardous materials ignited and lit a fire and chlorine was released and people are still getting sick in the surrounding areas from that.
1: Because of the release of the chlorine?
0: Yeah, and I also lived near... I went to college at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, Arkansas, pretty close to West Memphis that had and probably still has. I haven't checked, Mm -hmm. but major chlorine tanks where they made pesticides and if those chlorine tanks had blown they would have killed a whole bunch of people in an area so i I appreciate them doing a serious thing but chlorine gas is not something to mess with probably not something i would have chosen to put in my story
1: it burns your skin
0: (laughs) yeah well it's mustard gas right i mean yeah yeah Yeah,
1: (laughs) they don't use it in 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 in, they, you well, you
0: inhale it and your lungs
1: yeah. melt Cook. and you yeah. cough them out yeah yeah bad, bad so
0: or maybe they're also just pay, playing off the readership probably knowing that right assuming mm-hmm. you're probably I mean, still actually studying world war one in school at this point and yeah. you know the readership probably knows about the seriousness of it but uh, yeah. okay <laughs> yeah fair fair but we're back And he messes up and he flies back to headquarters and throws his helmet down and gets out of the suit and has some more alcohol because that's where he's at. And then there's Bethany.
1: Oh, hey. Where have you been?
0: And because uh, Mrs. Arbogast is awesome, she lets her in, even though they're not friends. And (laughs) Bethany's there to to help Tony out. So they start to have a little bit conversation. We're finally going to find out who Alex is. After all this time, secret. And I will give Michelini and Leighton some credit because Alex referenced was at least once, right? I know it was a couple of issues uh, ago, at least once. I thought it was like two times, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a couple of times. And we find out Alex was a, a hot shot in the government circles in the uh, in the civil service, mm-hmm. and he uh, is a junior ambassador to the U.S. from West Germany. Yeah, and he loved his job, and he gets hooked on pills. Now, I didn't see this at all as a callback to the Spider-Man issues, huh. but since you know we know that Leighton and Michelini were reading previous stuff, yeah, uh, my assumption is they're calling back to uh, uh, Harry yeah. Osborne being hooked on the pills in the Spider-Man issue. That makes sense. And I did appreciate that as a comic reader and historian. Like I thought, Oh, that's a cool touch. I don't think the reader just picks that up out of nowhere, but I did think it was very cool. Uh, I did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense. I've been tracking.
0: Well, uh, this is Alex. Alex dies, not Harry. Harry, Harry did not die in a car wreck. I don't think. No. Okay. I, I've not read tons of Spider-Man, so it may well have happened in the two thousands or something, but no, uh, I see this because didn't Harry become like the, the hobgoblin or something? Yeah. That's what I have to look forward to. Spoiler. I do believe so. Because <laughs> I keep reading more Spider Man. <laughs> yes. But the we've got uh, anyway, Alex Rex, he dies in a in a, a terrible car, car wreck. Yes. And she says she doesn't know if it was him driving himself too hard with his work, no pun intended, hmm. or if it was the pills.
1: Ah. Oh, never know.
0: And Tony's like, well, I didn't know as he holds on to his drink and she then she starts the tough love and, you know, blast it. uh, That's not what I want. Don't feel sorry for me and don't feel sorry for yourself. And she starts pretty much tearing into Tony and then saying, hey, we let us help you. And we get some really great art here. It is good art. So as she's giving the monologue, Tony's looking out a window, looking away from her. She's trying to get him to listen then we get a close up of tony's face with just sweat beads rolling down it and then finally he turns to her and asks for help and hugs her and as he's doing that drops his drink and it crashes all over the floor i will say and then we get and then we get the the montage which we get the recovery montage so
1: that's yeah. oh, very speedy like
0: yeah i know that's what i was about to say so
1: <laughs> it was
0: it was really that's why i highlighted the article because they had definitely read the, the speedy story right yeah um, Different they comic definitely company. yeah that's they worth. had definitely read the green lantern green arrow story and they knew about it
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so i found that the scene it's not a recreation Mm-hmm. but it's almost a recreation of exactly yeah. the speedy stuff.
1: Yeah. It's very similar. He's not in the shower crying. He's just on the couch crying. <laughs> the, yeah. But the couch a didn't, wasn't,
0: wasn't, uh, oh, yeah, there was a couch holding now. him on the couch too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. There is, there, there's a lot of things that mirror that definitely mirror it.
0: And I will say this story keeps going, unlike the other story, right, where he just recovers from drugs magically from a heroin addiction and then goes on about his day. Yeah. I do appreciate this montage. I think it's too short, right? Like as as someone who has family members that you know suffer from alcoholism, mm-hmm. this to me is rough to look at because it's like in one page, he's no longer using alcohol, right? Like he's done.
1: He doesn't end that quick. <laughs>
0: Now, yeah, it doesn't. Now, what we do know is that later on, as Michelinie and Layton come back to the book later in life and things like that, we do know that he does drink again. So it is more realistic to life, right? Mm-hmm. The character of Tony Stark does struggle uh, with alcohol. So it doesn't. But in, if you look at this singular issue, man, it's quick. And then he's back to start his... It's like, it's like he went through the 12-step program like a year of it in like a day, like three days. Yeah. And now he's doing the 12 step apology tour, right? Now he has to go back and apologize to everybody. He's hurt. So he goes back to Jarvis, but then he just becomes a complete fucking asshole again.
1: Right. Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, Uh, Yeah.
0: He apologizes. So Tony goes back to him and he apologizes. And now we get a MacGuffin in the story, right? Apparently Jarvis had two shares of stock.
1: (gasps) Oh, two shares
0: yeah it amazes me like he was rich and he yeah clearly the stock hadn't split in a long time because the the shares of of stark international must be worth like ten thousand dollars a piece but jarvis has put them up as for collateral and a loan because he needs to go back and help his sick mom and tony just flies out of control here Uh oh no he's like you got taken by a loan shark and Jarvis was just trying to help his family while Tony was out being a drunk asshole. And then Tony's jumping all over him for being stupid.
1: No, Tony, it was you. You're the jerk. You yeah. didn't want to listen to your friend. Well, and just the line, it, I'm sure
0: it is, Jarvis. It sounds like you, you've been taken by a high class loan shark. And he's like, I'm sorry, sir. You shouldn't be apologizing. Yeah. He should be. I never would have to do this if you had been paying attention and been respectful.
1: Yeah. Why do I have to, why do I, why, why must I be responsible for you and responsible for me and responsible for knowing everything in the world? Come on, Tony. Can't we all be adults?
0: <laughs> so anyway, uh, then we get Tony going back and he's like, I don't need the booze. I can handle this on my own without any counterfeit courage at all. So he clearly can't cause he puts on the suit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And know, sometimes you had to put on your suit of armor to feel, feel good about he yourself. He goes
0: out to Rockefeller Plaza. Hey, I'm. Oh, been there.
1: oh no, he's going to do something regrettable. Well, before we get into
0: that, I want to yeah. go back to that interview with Michelini and Layton. Okay. And Michelini says about this story. He says, "Actually, Iron Man. At the time, we took him over what wasn't a top tier character. He wasn't Spider Man or." or an Incredible Hulk. He was still a secondary character at that time, both sales-wise and perception-wise. If we had tried to make Peter Parker a drug addict or something like that, we might have hit more resistance. As I remember it, we were only given one criterion to follow. We were told to do it well. Marvel gave us a lot of trust. It was a good story, and they let us go. I don't remember, and Bob, maybe you do, so feel free to break in. It's like when we're talking, Uh but I don't remember any time when we were doing that story arc that Marvel said, don't do this or pull back on that. Uh And Bob Layton says, I think Marvel thought we were really on to something given where we started. Plus, the idea was solid and it was uh, and it wouldn't be irreparable if we deal with this subject because it's a second tier character. And he says, Tony. Uh, if we deal with this subject, Tony Stark couldn't be Iron Man anymore. I think we presented it in a way that it made sense. As long as we didn't have Tony Stark vomiting on camera or taking a piss in a flower pot, Uh lobby of Stark International, we were going to be fine. Or maybe sitting on a billboard drinking. There you go. But they did do that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. Well, I mean, like, they they make it, I mean, okay, in the movie, like, in the book, they don't make Tony Stark full 100% Arthur with an Iron Man suit in the movie. They make Tony Stark, Arthur with an Iron Man suit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for those listening and you don't know who, what, what I'm referring to when I say Arthur, look at the movie, Arthur, definitely more amazing movie. freaking great. But uh, the, what I, what I think they're getting at too, they're hundred percent correct. They didn't make it so that with what they, what they set up and do here He's still he, he's Tony Stark. He's got flaws. They just enhance them, bring them out a lot more, and show you this other you know this this deeper you know what what's really bringing out this this other side, this darker um, these darker moments in in Tony Stark. And it it's it it's not that it's not repairable, you know, or the the fear of it not being repairable. It's that if it were to be repaired. He has to do it in a way that is human. And we do see that throughout the rest of the books. And it does give give ground in the movies, too, because you're continually on that hero's journey, even yeah. if it's well, within yourself.
0: And Bob Layton says later in the the interview, he says, I think that's exactly it. It was a logical progression. It's almost like you asked the question, <laughs> especially <laughs> for a guy under that much pressure and a guy who has to deal with his own celebrity as well. Tony Stark was just as famous as Iron Man. Dave and I kind of touched on that in the story where Iron Man was always kind of a nice escape valve. And it was the way Tony Stark could become anonymous and go do things in the course of the story. When he took that away from him and he couldn't be Iron Man anymore, that's when the pressure really started to build for him. And, and we did see that in the story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's so, kind of like the light switch getting flipped and he just like, boom, off the rails.
0: I do think though, this is where I'm going to disagree with the oh, authors okay. respectively I think that the beginning scene where he flies out of his window and the next scene are like him pissing in the alley. Okay. Because here we go. So he goes to the office of the loan shark. And I feel like this was taken right out of a Green Arrow, Green Lantern story, too. Uh huh. <laughs> because I remember specifically like Green Arrow going in to deal with a tenement issue and he goes in and attacks like the landlord. And. So clearly they were reading that run, by the way, I just want to say that. And and I love that they were reading that run because the green arrow, green lantern run is one of the greatest runs of all time in comics. And I'm glad they're pulling from that source material, but he goes to this, uh, office of this executive and he breaks in the window, Mm -hmm. attacks him, destroys his office after trying to hand him money And then says, very similar to how Green Arrow approached it in his story, hey, well, I'm going to report you to the police, you know, if you say anything. He's like, I'm going to tell on you. And this guy is so scared, like, he just, he gives in, but in this case, he can't do anything about it because he's already sold the stock. Yeah. And he sold it to a man from a government agency, which is, of course, going to be S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's no secret because that's alluded to earlier. So Tony is distraught over the loss of these two shares. He flies back and that's where I will say, like, I think the interviewer here in the the interviewer here in the Tomorrow's piece, when yeah. doing the the piece points out that this Dan Johnson points out that this would have been fodder for the tabloid newspapers back in the day, even though we didn't uh, have the Internet. Yeah. And I think he's right. And so that's where I do think, oh. Uh, I don't want to say sloppy storytelling because you're limited in what you can do, the amount of words you have, and there's only so many things you can clean up. But a little bit, maybe sloppy. Is sloppy the right word? I feel like there's some loose ends here that don't necessarily get followed up on later after this this issue. Mm-hmm. So you read after these, right, in the past? Yeah. I definitely did. I yeah. So we'll talk about what happens in the, the the future issues in a second. But for now, we've got Tony comes back, Bethany and Jarvis are trying to do everything they can to help him up Jarvis has coffee ready for him Bethany's there to chat with him as a support system and he immediately runs over to his alcohol I think I probably would have gotten rid of all that stuff if I was trying to be a dry dry alcoholic I don't think I would right? have stopped at the bar there yeah
1: no it would have been like it, it, that's he's not committed yet <laughs> yeah. that's how he's still struggling that's I mean that that is the the reality that I mean there's there's people that are like all right I'm done I'm going cold turkey and then there's people that are like I can't get rid of it Maybe somebody yeah. else might want to come over and have a drink. And it's like, but they, if you want to stop, then you got to get rid of it. And Yeah, yeah like, that's how like when I with, stopped
0: drinking caffeine.
1: <laughs> and you still had it in the house?
0: Oh, no, I didn't. But then
1: you would come to the shop and then you'd go and get a monster or something?
0: No, I would not. <laughs> but I, I had to keep it away from me, right? It, <laughs> yeah. I don't like coffee, so that makes it really easy. But. Yeah. Yeah, I just you know couldn't have that stuff around for a while, and then you know my roommate eventually you know had caffeine in the house. But I asked him basically, I just basically he'll put it in the fridge every once in a while. But I just ask him not to keep in the fridge. Don't
1: keep it in and the fridge. And
0: one of my roommates actually had some Coke Zero in the fridge for a while, and she she grabbed one the other day. She's like, I drank the last Coke Zero. Okay, they all gone
1: because
0: <laughs> I had complained about it, and I was just like, well, I didn't mean to complain about it. Just Coke Zero was my favorite drink, as you're well aware, and. It's just, I don't want it around. So, but it doesn't mean, you know, but I think honestly, conquering the addiction means it can be there and I have no desire to drink it, right? And I don't. So, obviously, I don't want to compare caffeine addiction to oh, alcoholism, but yeah.
1: kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if you, if, if all of a sudden it, 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 you start, if, if somebody were to say, Hey, do you want one of these? And you're like, Oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like the next day, you're like, got to hit it slight hit it because i didn't have my coke zero or you know yeah and then i'll you know like that that's that's a very unfortunate chain of events and i would hate for somebody to come to ocon and bring uh dana coke zero to the or or, yeah
0: and for those of you (laughs) who think i'm overblowing this i would often drink like a bang energy drink and two monster ultras in a day and a bang energy drink has twice the caffeine of a monster so just i want you to think about that or have two. have one for breakfast and then one while I was halfway through a day of, of teaching some classes at work. Yeah, it would be, yeah, it was, it was, and Greg knows. And then I would need some after when I'd come see him and Ann at their he'd, store, he'd come to the I, store
1: and he's like, Hey, do you guys need anything from it was before we actually sold any, any beverages yeah. at the store? And then he would like, Come and he's like, "Do you need anything from the store next door? Because I'm going to go to the store next door to go get something to drink. So I was, I was wondering if you guys need a drink from the store next door because I, I, need a drink from the store next door. Do you want something?" And I'm like, um, I, uh, "Sure." <laughs> and then, and then before I could even answer, you'd be back with like a handful of drinks, and I was like, "Yeah, holy crap, dude!" <laughs> and he's like, oh. "I was drinking
0: <laughs> caffeine all the freaking time. It, yeah. was, it was, it was insane." Like,
1: and then he'd be like, "Just." <laughs> it's like the wizard of speeding time
0: so again it's it's not yeah it's it's not the same as alcohol and i think the addiction is different and you're probably not you're you're probably not going to uh, crash well you could i guess i don't even want to say that uh but there were times when i drank caffeine which i really regret because i would be really hyped up and i'm a very passionate guy and i would get in pretty big arguments or react very strongly. And I still react strongly to things, but I think of the times I was drinking a lot of caffeine and I really would react strongly to things. I
1: don't like the time you were watching the little league championship and that I'm just joking. And you you like got so angry that you like destroyed the whole entire picnic table.
0: That has never happened. So
1: Uh, I begged to
0: differ. Yeah. Now, now you're overblowing some things, but yeah. (laughs) So, Anyway, I hope none of you out there are ever dealing with addiction. But I I just say like this this is interesting. If if you are, I just probably wouldn't keep the stuff around. Yeah. But OK, so the cool ending of the story, right? Tony decides not to take the drink. And of course, Bethany and Jarvis are very excited. They go for a ride and, and Bethany is still driving in the epilogue. But he has replaced his alcohol addiction with rich dark coffee. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess we're (laughs) getting back (laughs) to caffeine. Uh, But now he has to deal with some of the consequences of what happened and that will happen over the next few issues. So he's now dealing with the takeover attempt from shield and which kind of started before this run of issues and it was alluded to during them and then we'll get this takeover thing going on after these issues and but that's the end of this run. Yeah. And Yeah. yeah, so there we go. We've we figured out a little bit about what Bob Layton and David McLean thought of their story. what did you mm-hmm. think?
1: I thought it was really good. I, I, I liked the, um, the introduction of, of the, I guess of various characters, the reintroduction or retelling of Tony's, uh, you know, his, his Genesis story. Uh, I liked how we, we get from point A to point Z through this, it uh, it definitely is a, a really good arc. Uh, covers a lot of ground, and it's a, you know it ends on a good note, but it's not it's not a feel good note. It's a okay. This is you know he's got stuff he's dealing with. You know he's got a good outlook. He's got a positive outlook. But I mean we know that he's Tony Stark. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, and and Michelini, supporting what you said, says, you know, the thing was Iron Man had friends like Captain America and so forth, but we never wrote Iron Man. We always plotted and wrote Tony Stark. And whether he was in a business suit or suit of armor, he was the same character. And we felt that was very important, a very important focus of what Mm -hmm. we did as far as creating a supporting cast. And I think this is what you were alluding to, right? Mm -hmm. We looked at it from a logical viewpoint and said, what do we need? As Tony Stark, he's not going to fly around. He needs someone to fly him. He needs a Mm -hmm. pilot. That was the genesis initially of Jim Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And we developed Jim, and then he became Tony's friend. And it was the same with Mrs. Arbogast. Tony needed an executive secretary. Mm -hmm. And Layton follows up with, and he also needed a woman who was immune to his persuasive powers, which is Bethany. Yeah. And I love the fact that Bethany is strong and just doesn't fawn all over Tony, right? in the sense that it's it's a mutual, you know, throughout the issues, like in the scenes in the casino, they're mutually attracted to each other, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, even to the point where (laughs) Bethany has to do, Bethany has to do the Mm -hmm. suggesting, right? Like, it's not Tony dragging her upstairs, it's Bethany suggesting, hey, Hey, you should go go upstairs. upstairs. (laughs) So I love the fact that we have a powerful female, two powerful female characters, in Mm -hmm. fact, introduced and are great. Pieces of the sporting cast. Excuse and the, me.
1: Three, because you count the lady in the restroom who shows back up again later in like in the
0: casino in the casino. Yeah.
1: That is three because she is so angry at Tony Stark and she doesn't. Well, care. that would be the
0: fourth because we had Rhodey, Mrs. Oh. Arbogast and not you uh, know, female character and Bethany. Oh, two, three female characters. Then. Three okay, female I got you. Characters. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, you know, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah. uh, you, I, the part, neat part of this story, as much as it getting into the, the Demon in the Bottle ending, is yeah. the fact that we got to see Michelinie and Leighton world build.
1: Yeah, which, and, which is really cool.
0: <laughs> and do in a way that was interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think to their point, they're taking a character who was a second tier character. And I think, you know... Uh, Iron Man, to me, always had real peaks and valleys, right? The character would go up. (laughs) And oftentimes it was when Bob Layton was on the book, right? Uh The character would go up in sales. And then as soon as Bob Layton left the book, go down. And then they bring Bob Layton back. (laughs) We need you. We need to bring Iron Man up. And Iron Man really doesn't become a great character until the movies come out. Uh, I shouldn't say great character. A a top selling, number one selling character. Um, That's factual.
1: um, yeah, I mean, like in the public's eye, in the, I, I would say, like popularity wise, yes, he he definitely becomes popular, becomes selling, and and genuinely people are like, oh wow, this is a book I need to read. This is you know, give me more of this. Um, it is that is true. I I would say like, I would I would say I mean he's he's always he's always there. Like he's he's always on the on the periphery of a lot of things. So it's, it's hard. It's a, so that's like from the, that other standpoint, it's like, you're right. He's not, his books don't sell, but books with him in them. sell. <laughs> so. yeah. Ah, oh, why can't they count those? <laughs> well, you know, I would say, but
0: he's a team guy, right? If yeah. you think about it, you know, he could have easily, you know, second tier character, had a book canceled. He did have books canceled multiple times. Yeah. Yeah in the nineties, two thousands, uh, especially after the the comic books collapse in the nineties. Okay. So on off on off. So yeah. I mean, to your point, do we celebrate, but is he best in a team? Is he best as an Avenger?
1: I think he's, I think he's, I mean, he's best as, because he's writing, um, he's interesting by himself, but yet a lot of what makes him a great part of, you know, his story is so good sometimes is the the movement between other other characters you know uh, so being on a team I think definitely brings out those those high points. well
0: on that note we've wrapped up Iron Man 128 the demon in a bottle storyline and it's about time to wrap up this episode of Funny Book Forensics so Greg do you have anything to
1: plug um well come on down to the retro point and Kent Washington 328 plus Meeker. And uh, come see us at uh, O-Con Ocon Expo Expo. Expo. in Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) July 21st,
0: 22nd, and 23rd. And we will be there with wrestling superstar Rikishi. And because Greg screws up the promos so often, Rikishi, I think you need to give Greg the stink face.
1: I did it because you wanted me to mess it up.
0: Greg deserves the stink
1: face. You told and me fact, to fans, If you're Pay listening me. to
0: this podcast right now, make sure you tweet to Rikishi, you message Rikishi on Facebook, and you let Rikishi know that Greg Smith, the author of Junior Bears of the Apocalypse, the author of Starlight, the podcaster of many podcasts, including this great podcast, Funny Book Forensics, needs the stink face. Make sure you message Rikishi and let him know.
1: Don't do that.
0: And of yeah. course, listen to more episodes of Funny Book Forensics, because that's why we're here.
1: Well, yeah, do that.
0: And at Ocon, we may even record live for you. Oh, I think so. come will. see us. <laughs> come by our table, and I will give you a Funny Book Forensics sticker. And
1: see our hats.
0: Until I run out.
1: Well, so we don't, don't have, have hats that. for sale,
0: just to win. We don't have hats for sale, but we will have our own Funny Book Forensics hats. You're not supposed to, to promote the hats. We don't really no, have no, them.
1: No, no, I'm saying you could see our hats, the ones that we have. It's like when you, you know, like...
0: well on that note hats and everything wrapping this bad boy up so we are out of here greg say goodbye bye